This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Dr. Cat Gone to the Dogs is brought to you by Heroes for Healthy Pets. We're passionate about your pet's health and iHeartDogs.com. Hey, dog lovers. Welcome to Dr. Cat Gone to the Dogs. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and obviously a dog lover. So the purpose of this show has always been to educate dog lovers with good information and not just internet rumors. So today I have a really special thing I want to talk with you about because I had the opportunity to write a book, a digital book called The Pet Parent's Guide to Infectious Diseases of Dogs. And I had the absolute honor of writing or co-authoring this book with Dr. Courtney Campbell. So I have him here with me today and we're going to just talk about what's in the book and what you need to know and remind you that it is a free download. So I'll be right back after these messages with Dr. Courtney Campbell. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. It's not just a sneeze. It could be the pathway to disease. Your dog is at risk for contracting dog flu. That's why it's important to vaccinate your dog for dog flu. Get your dog vaccinated today. Visit dogflu.com for more information. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Dr. Cat Gone to the Dogs. So as I mentioned, we're talking with Dr. Courtney Campbell today because he is my co-author sharing my spot mic, if you will, today to talk about whatever a dog owner needs to know about infectious diseases. Hey, Dr. Courtney. Hi, Dr. Cat. How are you? I am doing awesome. I'm so excited about this today and this cool download. What did you think about it? Well, I got to be honest with you. I'm equally as excited as you are because it's one of those situations where we don't, as veterinarians, we don't really get an opportunity to talk to pet parents about this enough. Normally, you get a chance to meet lovely pet parents and you've got a very full schedule and a lot of your interactions are abbreviated and for good reason. There's a lot of pets out there that need treatment. But getting into a deep dive, really focusing on what kinds of harmful viruses, bacteria, parasites are out there is so important and it's a subject I'm glad I get an opportunity to not only talk with you about today, but have co-authored a book, which is basically like a dream come true. I agree. And my favorite thing about the book is that you and I worked so hard to make sure that it is good, accurate information. And so we get to teach people about the thing that is the most passionate for both of us, which is helping pets. Right. And that's the key. I I like the idea of 
accuracy because I'll be honest, there's a lot of well-intentioned people out there and there's a lot of information out there, but not all of it's accurate and not all of it has been researched and verified. And so to have an opportunity to put it all together comprehensively so that when pet parents have a brand new puppy or a brand new dog, or maybe they've had dogs their entire life, but just haven't had an opportunity to hear this information, there's a centralized hub this book where they can get all of that information. So for me, it's one of those things where it's like, finally, I'm so glad that this is out there. And what's cool is, listen, I'm a little biased, but I love the structure of the book in the sense that I had the opportunity to write some some really good chapters that really focused on the science. You had some opportunities, some great chapters that focused on science, but also told some realities, told some real stories where the rubber meets the road, where that science actually meets real life. And I think the fusion of those two make the structure of the book perfect. Well, you know, I'm a storyteller, so like that's what I do. And before I get into telling stories and forget the important part, I want to tell everyone out there how to get this book because it is free. It is a free download. So you go to the website dogflu.com, D-O-G. F L U dot com and you can find it right there and it's free and it's all of this excellent information in one place that you can trust. I can't tell you how much people love that word free. You know what I mean? That's like the key word right there. But and it's interesting because this type of information is the type that for good reason it you normally would have a cost associated with it. Anytime you consult with an expert in a particular field, of course, there's going to be a consultation. But to have this book, you know, essentially free as a download, I think is a gift to so many. And and not just because literally we wrote it, but mainly because it's a situation where a lot of people have been wondering, what should I do? How should I protect my dog at home? And what we kind of do is we go through it systematically and focus on these particular viruses and bugs, but what we do, we always underscore the fact that these viruses and the protection vaccines should be tailored to your pet, should be tailored to your pet's lifestyle. And I think nothing is more emblematic of that than this year's recent outbreak of canine influenza. Well, and you can't tailor something to your pet unless you know what you're trying to tailor for. And of course, you want to have an excellent relationship with your own veterinarian. And Dr. Courtney and I are not trying to take the place of that. But an educated consumer who can know what they're looking for creates a better healthcare team for pets. And so this book is our idea or our the culmination of all of our hard work to do just that, to give dog lovers good information. And I kind of want to give everybody uh, little hints and teases to make them want to go and download the book and read it. So I want you to jump in with me, Dr. Courtney, but we talk a little bit about parvovirus. So can you help me sort of paint the picture about parvovirus? Well, parvovirus is a scourge, really. And I think that anybody who has spent time within veterinary medicine field, the veterinary medical field, understands and really has, has basically has been assaulted or confronted with this horrible virus. And when I say assaulted, I mainly mean your nose, your sense of smell is one of those situations where you're like, my goodness, what is that smell? Oh my, it's puppies and they're infected with parvo. And you put it perfectly in the book. You referenced the idea of the smell of death and you're exactly right. I think a lot of people in this field know what that smells like. And sadly enough, that's exactly what the result will be 
for a lot of dogs who are untreated and even for those dogs who are treated. I think all of us have had experience with Parvo. I mean, how tragic is it to be around a family or around a litter of puppies who are passing away from this particular virus or a new family who has already fallen in love with their new puppy and it becomes sick with Parvo and for whatever reason, they may not have the resources to engage in that high level of nursing care, that really intensive hospitalization, and unfortunately, the puppy passes away at home. So I think a lot of us have had that experience. Have you had similar experience with parvovirus as a veterinarian? Well, I got to tell the story of Darla and Duffy. So that was one of my early sad experiences with parvo. I think the most heartbreaking part about parvo is we have a safe and effective vaccine for parvo. And you just have to follow your veterinarian's advice about when to give it and when to booster it. But it's pretty easy to prevent, Dr. Courtney. It just breaks my heart when I see it. It really is. And I, I like how you highlighted the fact that you have to follow your veterinarian's advice about when to give it. Because with vaccination, timing is everything, right? I mean, that is the quintessential issue when it comes to vaccination. It's that timing between maternal antibodies and the puppy's and the puppy's natural immune system. How do you explain that to people when you're trying to describe that timing on when to give the vaccine? Well, I love the way you put it in the book when you talked about how vaccines work. And, and you have an entire chapter about how vaccines <laughs> right. work. So for everyone listening, we're going to give you some teasers. But you should read the chapter because it sort of consolidates all of the information in a good way to help you understand why we give boosters and why we do the things that we do. But what I tell my pet owners is... We need that vaccine to be there when the puppy's immune system is ready to learn from it. And I like to say that vaccines are like a training ground for the immune system. If you think of the immune system as warriors or fighters, they can't go into battle untrained. So that's what vaccines do for me. That's how I explain it. Well, I think it's a really good analogy as far as going to war because that is what we are you know, not to hyperbolize it or not to make it exaggerated, but essentially these puppies with an immature immune system are under constant assault. They're constantly bombarded with viruses and bacteria that literally want to take them out. And by having their mom's immune system that they get from colostrum, it keeps them protected, but that protection is temporary. And when that wanes, when that disappears, they're left exposed. And by using that vaccine, it could train their immune system. And a lot of people are like, I don't understand. Doesn't that make my puppy sick if I give them that vaccine? Now, I always make sure that pet parents understand that vaccines are made mainly three ways. Either they kill the virus or they weaken the virus in some way or they change the virus's DNA. And that way it provides a sort of a training manual for the puppy's immune system so that when they're confronted with the real thing, they're protected. And of course, there are very small percentage of cases that dogs who have allergic reactions or adverse reactions to vaccines, but by far the greater plurality of puppies benefit from the protection that they get from these vaccines. So I think that for me is one of the main motifs of this entire book is why are we doing this and why are we doing what we're doing instead of becoming a, a more intimate and very close to your pet, deepening that bond with your pet, you can do it by protecting them from infectious disease. Well, I think also in my personal experience with Parvo, people can access vaccines from 
avenues that are not their veterinarian and they tend to think oh a vaccine is a vaccine it's going to work but if you don't have that relationship with your veterinarian to help you time it to help you make sure that it is a safe and efficacious vaccine that has been handled appropriately before it reached your puppy you may be doing nothing so i wrote in my story about darla and duffy they had been vaccinated by their breeder and the breeder was trying to do the right thing But when the puppies changed hands into their new home, somehow the information that they were done, they were fully vaccinated, got passed on and they weren't because puppies are not finished with that vaccination series until they are 16 weeks of age, according to the American Animal Hospital guidelines. So if you get a puppy from a breeder and it has had one or two Parvo shots, It is not done until it has been vaccinated by your veterinarian no earlier than 16 weeks of age. It's so important to really underscore that because you'll hear a variety of different recommendations from a a whole bunch of, from other people in your pet's life and what I call the sort of the healthcare team. And the healthcare team, of course, includes the veterinarian. Uh, You may get health advice or recommendations or information from breeders, groomers, boarding facilities, and all of these people love your pet and are very well-intentioned. But I think it's really important to focus on organizations and communities that have really researched this and really tried to find out what is the ideal protocol and the ideal timing for pets. Because uh, let's be honest, every pet is slightly different. And so you'll have situations like what's called a vaccination failure, where a vaccine is given and for some reason your pet's immune system just doesn't respond, or it doesn't respond until the second or third booster. And so you may hear, you know, throughout some of the channels in the internet that, hey, well, I heard that puppies are protected after one vaccination, or why do I have to give so many boosters? And just keep in mind that every dog is slightly different, and these protocols have been established because... Immune systems are like students. Some are honor students and do amazing, and then other students need help, you know, and they need to attend office hours, and they need special assistance, and they don't always respond the same. So it's so important to follow, like you said, follow the recommendations of your veterinarian and the American Animal Hospital Association so that your puppy isn't left unprotected. So here's the cool thing for all the dog lovers out there. You don't have to go and look up the American Animal Hospital Association guidelines because it's written for veterinarians and it's pretty tedious. But Dr. Courtney has an entire chapter on vaccine strategy to help guide you in making these choices for your puppy. So download this book because it's yes. great. <laughs> oh, thanks for the shout out. You know, I got to be honest, just as a sidebar, You and I both have a a really interesting discussion, and uh, you wrote an awesome chapter, particularly on rabies. And the reason why I like talking about this, this particular virus, is because what you highlight is the global connotation and the global nature of what veterinarians do and how veterinarians continue to affect people's lives and continue to save pets. In this country, of course, people kind of look at rabies as an afterthought. We know that people associate rabies a lot of times with wildlife. They see a raccoon in the day and during the daytime, they know stay away from the raccoon. A skunk during the daytime, stay away from the skunk, foxes, etc. And they don't really think about their dogs getting rabies. And the reason for that is we have very diligent and focused protocols on rabies vaccination. In fact, it's the law in most states. So I like the fact that in this book, you wrote a chapter on rabies and how it kills close to 60,000 kids 
globally and what people should understand from that is that veterinarians are doing amazing work all through the world and kids who read this or teenagers who read this book can also understand that they can make an impact globally. Have you had either an experience with rabies just in your practice or have had that discussion with somebody about the global impact that veterinarians are making in regards to rabies worldwide? Well, you know, since I've been in practice, I'm in practice in Tennessee, so a lot of people know that already, but since I've been in practice, there was actually a case of rabies in a child who did not survive within, you know, I've been in practice for 22 years. So within the last 22 years, it was in Winchester, Tennessee, which is not exactly where I am, but really kind of close to home for rabies. Apparently, this child had found a sick bat and had put the bat in a shoebox under his bed, and his parents did not know that he had that. And, you know, bats had those little sharp teeth, and the bat didn't bite him, but the teeth may have scratched his hand enough for the saliva to infect him. So that was really heartbreaking. But I think about my responsibility to household pets, and how terrible would it be for a human being and their pets to die from this disease when I could have vaccinated for it? Oh, it is really tough. And uh, honestly, it's one of those situations where rabies by far, I think, among people is one of the, it seems to be one of the most shocking and notorious infectious diseases that people know about just because of the signs that it shows. That's sort of what we call mad dog, that phase, that classical salivation. and The old yeller, exactly. (laughs) Or, Or Cujo is a movie that I think a lot of people are familiar with. But one secret, silent or less celebrated killer that does affect people is leptospirosis. And you have a really good story about how you actually discovered leptospirosis in one of your patients. And fortunately, that pet lived. And I think everybody should read about that, specifically should read that chapter. And the reason I bring that up is just recently as 2017, there were leptospirosis cases in New Jersey. How exactly in Tennessee, how do you discuss lepto with your pet parents? Well, we have actually a risk assessment that we go through with our pet parents in each visit, and we talk about how leptospirosis can come from standing water that wildlife you know, may have urinated in, that wildlife are the source. Now, I live in the Smoky Mountains. There is no escaping the wildlife, and that's actually a good thing, and it's what I love about living here, but mm-hmm. most of my pet patients are at risk and people don't know they can get leptospirosis you can get that from your pet and if you do not know that and you become ill it might be difficult for your physician to recognize that because veterinarians are a little bit more aware of this risk maybe than just the day-to-day physician so again it can be vaccinated for so ask your veterinarian if your dog might be at risk that's a really good point. And that's kind of what's so interesting about rabies is it, it talks about zoonotic disease and the fact that it could spread from a dog to a man. But leptospirosis is the most common zoonotic disease. We all know about rabies, but it's so important to know about leptospirosis. And I grew up just like you in the woods, essentially, in more of a rural area. And we had we saw raccoons and skunks and deer that walk through our yard. And it's important to know that leptospirosis, the reservoir for it, 
are deer, raccoons, and skunks. And so a lot of these wildlife can carry that bacteria and not be affected by it. And so they're not sick. They're walking around shedding that bacteria, and they seem totally fine. Your dog drinks from a puddle or plays in the swamps, and now you're wondering, how in the heck did my dog get leptospirosis? How did I get leptospirosis from potentially either not cleaning up or having contact with my dog's urine? It's, it's one of those situations where people, like you said, just don't think about it until they're affected by it. Right. Well, and so you have a whole entire chapter, which I thought was really awesome that I'd never seen this information before, where you talk about cleaning up because cleanup is really important in stopping the spread of parvovirus, for example, in between dogs that are infected. And you also talk about some of the other things that are included in the parvo vaccine, like distemper and adenovirus and parvo and parainfluenza. We don't really have time to get into all of those, but they're there. They're in the book. And you talk about how to clean it up. And I spend a lot of time talking with pet parents about advice on cleaning up. And now I can just send them to your chapter. Well, I appreciate that, but I got to be honest, I think one of the infectious disease entities or group of infectious disease entities where cleanup could not be more important. Listen, it's always important, but one of it where it really affects businesses, affects people on a almost a daily basis is the idea of respiratory viruses. Is the whole quote-unquote common cold that you see in pets and we call this basically canine cough, infectious canine cough or canine infectious respiratory disease complex, whatever you want to call it, whatever the terminology is. The key is pet parents are they're devastated, they're concerned, they get very worried when they see that their pet goes to a facility, let's say a doggy daycare facility or pet grooming facility, or even the veterinarian's office, and comes back coughing. And so when you see that, you know, oh no, these are organisms that make pets cough and they're in the air and they're on surfaces and they're in pet bowls and they're on pet items like leashes and collars and harnesses. And so clean up becomes absolutely essential. At your practice, do you have very diligent cleanup protocols to prevent the spread of respiratory infectious canine disease? Actually, we do. And it's funny that you mentioned that one of the sponsors for our infectious disease manual is the Heroes for Healthy Pets. And so my entire staff and I have all completed that program. They provide some continuing education about disinfectants and how to be super duper careful. And it was an amazing uh, experience for all of us. We're all certified as Heroes for Healthy Pets. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Heroes for Healthy Pets. That's perfect. And that is part of, you know, and what's what I like about that particular program is I'll see that a lot in various CE seminars where people can get certified for Heroes for Healthy Pets because what they realize through that program is that it's multi-pronged. There's multi-pronged. Yes, cleanup is very important. Yes, vaccination is very important, but also identifying the risk factors, identifying when groups of dogs congregate together or if we have situations where we have unhealthy pets, what signs do you look for when you see a dog who's not feeling well? All of these are integrated in that curriculum. So what I like about Heroes for Healthy Pets and how to prevent infectious disease is that the focus isn't all about vaccination. It's not all about cleanup. It's not all about recognizing when you see a sick doggy. It's about all of them together in a more comprehensive understanding. 
and so is our pet parents guide. Yes. So, <laughs> so people need to go to dogflu.com and download the free pet parents guide to infectious diseases of dogs because it is good information and it is free. And Dr. Courtney and I were both just really blessed to have been able to work together on this project to present this amazing amount of information for free to dog lovers. Absolutely. Stop whatever you're doing right now and go to dogflu.com. And do- well, actually, don't stop. I want you to continue listening to this podcast. But <laughs> when you're done listening, go to dogflu.com and download this book because it's, like I said, it's it's wonderful. It has everything there. You can constantly use it as a reference. Keep it on your bookshelf and keep going back to it over and over and over and share it with your family. So when they say to you, you know, hey, what is kennel cough? And then you realize, oh, this is what kennel cough is. It's not just Bordetella, and you start to learn about it. You can be informed for your family, and also you can entertain people at dinner parties. You can seem like the real <laughs> smart one. So I, I completely agree. Go to dogflu.com and download this book because it's both, like you said, entertaining because of your art of storytelling, but it's also informative and accurate. That's what I love Because about of it. your hard work. Yes. Well, well, listen, it's important. The, the reason I say, listen, I think that when I think about this book and I think about the kind of information out there, what to me is the most impressive is the amount that we've learned. Now, there's still plenty that we don't know, but I think that it's important to remember, you know, even from 1967, first Parvo outbreak, then 1979, another Parvo outbreak, then the year 2000 is when Parvo mutated into 2AC. So even from 1967 all the way to year 2000 and even now in this 2018 we basically have learned so much and the volume of medical information doubles every 10 years and so having the most updated and most current information is perfect and and i like the fact that we also it wasn't just you and i we also had a team of references and, and other resources that we drew from to make sure that everything is up to date and very accurate And it was really fun, and I thought it came together beautifully. So I am so happy to get to talk to you again and for us to get to visit about this project and share it with everyone. And I want to thank everyone for listening to us today. And of course, always, my amazing producer, Mark Winter, here on Dr. Cat Gone to the Dogs. I want everybody to go out there and raise the rough. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.